Live from the WTAD studios in the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, it's time to pull up a chair and assemble today's WTAD News Roundtable. Let me have another look. It's got to be down there somewhere. Iconic scene from an iconic movie. Uh, the dude without the money uh, being questioned by some uh, nihilists about uh, where the money <laughs> is. Reminds me of where we are right now with Governor Pritzker. Where are the numbers, Governor? Let me have another look. they got to be down there somewhere. Remember last Friday, Governor Pritzker said, hey, look, we're going to try and uh, work some things out and uh, have these numbers for you. Uh, we'll, we'll work this out over the weekend. Yesterday, we still didn't have those numbers worked out. And uh, Mark Glennon at Wirepoints uh, decided, what is so hard about getting these numbers? Uh, if you don't have them, why don't you have them? And if you do have them, why aren't you sharing them with us? Speculating doesn't help the situation. Uh, we would rather deal with what we know than a big pile of question marks or worst-case scenarios. And you started to see uh, some, let me say, the word that's in my mind is vacillating, but issues with projections yesterday with the president's. Uh, COVID-19 team. It'll be interesting today to see if Governor Pritzker uh, decides that uh, the projection numbers uh, perhaps aren't what we should be locked on to, but maybe the actual raw numbers or maybe a combination of both. Something. We'll talk about uh, the numbers uh, why they aren't with us, uh, who may have them, and what they've shared coming up on the back half of today's news roundtable. Good morning. Uh, Steve Bull joining me uh, in the studio. And with all the latest from the WTAD newsroom, say good morning to Scott Hardy. Good morning, Quaid. Good morning, everybody. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker says he'll extend orders that are keeping most people in their homes and kids out of school due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Governor Pritzker said yesterday afternoon that he'll sign executive orders today that will extend his stay-at-home order and his earlier order that closed the state schools to April 30th. Pritzker said that public safety is his prime objective. If we can end these orders earlier, I'll be the first one to tell you when we can start to make strides toward normalcy again. But that time is not today, and it's not April 7th. Illinois has one of the strongest public health systems in the nation, but even so, we aren't immune to this virus's ability to push our existing capacity beyond its limits. Governor told state schools that they'll switch from Act of God days to remote learning days and that all those days will count toward the school year and then no days will have to be made up. Pritzker also said he signed an order that limits transfers from county jails to the Illinois Department of Corrections. Pritzker said each state facility can accept incoming inmates on their own discretion. 
The move was made to stem a possible rampant spread of the virus through the state's prison system. The Illinois Department of Public Health says there are 937 new cases of COVID-19 in the state with 26 additional deaths. Statewide, nearly 6,000 people have tested positive and 99 people have died. After Governor Pritzker's announcement, Quincy Public Schools Superintendent Roy Webb said Quincy schools would stay closed until the 30th as well. In the letter sent Tuesday, Webb said that the current food service would continue, but there would be no service on April 10th. That's Good Friday and was a planned school holiday anyway. Webb also said that April 10th will be the end of Phase 1 of remote learning. He said Phase 2 will start April 13th and would require more of an online presence. Paper packets would still be handed out to those without online access. Webb said that QPS is working on a plan to get more technology into the hands of those students who currently don't have it. He compared it to, quote, building a plane while it's flying at 10,000 feet, end quote. Webb also said that the district is working on graduation for QHS seniors, saying it, quote, may not be a traditional ceremony, but we do plan to honor your time as a Blue Devil, end quote. Quincy and Adams County officials have announced a new website designed to aid those seeking help due to the economic effects of the pandemic. The website, AdamsCountyTogether.com, is described as a resource for the community and as a place for residents, businesses, and nonprofits to seek information on numerous federal, state, and local assistance programs. The website's another step in the Adams County Together Task Force announced last Friday by Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore. Statement says that at the website, people, businesses, and nonprofits can access direct links on relief assistance, grant funds, and loan programs. Another northeast Missouri county has announced its first positive case of COVID-19. KHQA-TV's Chad Douglas has more. Health officials have confirmed the first case of COVID-19 in Clark County, Missouri. The Clark County Health Department says the 50- to 60-year-old resident is currently hospitalized. That person is receiving medical care at Hannibal Regional Hospital. This is the fourth confirmed case handled at Hannibal Regional. The health department urges the public to take appropriate precautions, including good hygiene, social distancing, and limiting in-person interactions. Hannibal Board of Public Works says it's been ordered by the Hannibal City Council to proceed with implementing its new water filtration system just a day after they announced a delay due to the pandemic. HBPW Interim General Manager Matthew Munslinger sent a press release last night revealing the order and said that they would do so, quote, reluctantly, end quote. An ordinance passed in 2017 mandated the HBPW to switch from using chloramines to disinfect the city's water supply by April 1st. The uh, board has built a new granular activated charcoal filtration system and had earlier planned to start the switch on Tuesday. The board, though, announced Monday that it would delay that due to the coronavirus pandemic. They feared that during the switchover, there would be increased contact between employees as well as with the public. Munslinger said in a statement, quote, we will do it as safely as we can, hoping that there are no issues with the transition or with the virus, end quote. City of Hannibal has called a special meeting later today to remove two members of the board and appoint two new ones. According to agenda, an agenda released Tuesday, BPW Board Vice President Stephen Smith and board member Stephen Frank will be removed as board members. That would be the third board member to be released since December. That's after former board president uh, Lenny Rosencrantz designed in se- resigned rather in September. The two new appointments to the board listed on Wednesday's agenda include William Dees and John Zerbonia. Since Rosencrantz resigned, Smith has led the meetings following his departure. Frank has led investigation efforts on behalf of the board into the misuse of funds. The board announced in Adams County is the first uh, county in Illinois to have over 50% of its residents filling out the 2020 census. That's according to the U.S. Census Bureau, which says that through Monday, 52% of Adams County residents filled out their census. In Quincy, that rates 52.4%. Local officials hope to get the county's figure close to 90%. 
Hancock County is not far behind with 44.5% of residents filling out the census. Response rates in Pike, Brown, Schuyler, McDonough, and Scott counties range from 35 to 39%. Marion and Lewis counties in northeast Missouri both have over a 40% response. Over 41% of Hannibal residents have responded. Most northeast Missouri counties have over a 30% response rate. Lee County, Iowa's nearly 41% response rate. City of Keokuk has a 39% rate. Fort Madison has a 38% rate. That is a look at the latest in local news on this traditional census day. Of course, we'll have more for you throughout the afternoon right here on WTAD.com and on our social media pages, including both Twitter and Facebook. You guys haven't experienced any uh, April foolery today, have you? No, not yet. You got something planned? No, 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 no. no. You don't don't tell somebody you're planning. I think our GM did earlier. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, he doesn't seem like Read your the, email. You'll find it. The April Fool's Day oh, jokester. Come on. I would sense, though, that... But that would be the perfect person to do it, though. Well, yeah. But of all the days to think, oh, let's do an April Fool's joke, today would not be right. the day. Right. Today's, yeah, this, uh, this, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan every year, but this year would be, would be poor form. In the words of Steve Rogers... Not today. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Very good. Uh, it's ten sixteen. We'll take a time out. When we come back, the numbers. Where are the numbers, Governor? Uh, we try and find some and share what we found when we come back on the News Roundtable. WTAD. <laughs> Welcome back to the News Roundtable, Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Little wheeze there. I will uh, point you back to last Friday when uh, Governor Pritzker uh, mentioned that uh, he and his team would be working on uh, getting numbers, uh, better numbers, about hospitalizations and and uh, beds and current situations over the weekend as opposed to projections. And... Uh, myself so sorry Steve for taking those off um, one of the things that uh, Chicagoland Cook County uh, one of the one of the hot spots not one of the heaviest areas uh, in the United States uh, New York still kind of the epicenter uh, right now of uh, coronavirus COVID-19 here in the United States there are other areas that are flashpoints but uh, Cook County in the state of Illinois uh, and in the Midwest outside of Michigan seems to be uh, that flashpoint. Um, Numbers-wise, to try and wrap our brains around what's going on, we were joking the other day about projections. Uh, we have a state that can't get together uh, budget projections, but yet we're uh, rolling, in some cases, with worst-case scenario. Now, I get it. You want to be prepared for a worst-case scenario. You know, prepare for the worst, hope for the best, that type of thing. Uh, but why we can't get Consistent, up-to-date numbers is kind of problematic. We pointed you before towards the Johns Hopkins website to give you global numbers. 
and they break it down by country to country. The Western Illinois uh, site uh, keeps track of county by county in the state, but those numbers uh, many times don't match up with what the Department of Health is throwing out there, or maybe they're just behind. There is a different website that is getting a hold of numbers from hospitals here in Illinois, and it is from uh, the University of Washington. And it's kind of interesting. If uh, Data is key right now, and they provide some data that we're not getting in other areas, and certainly not from the state. And yesterday, Governor Pritzker still didn't have those numbers. Now, uh, sure, I'm going to give the guy uh, some grace, uh, period. Look, turning something around over the weekend is a tough thing when you're talking about uh, government at, at any level. Uh, all right, But uh, getting numbers from hospitals from around the state shouldn't be that hard. Mark Glennon at wirepoints.org takes the governor uh, to task over these numbers. Uh, he says hospitalization numbers are currently the best measure of how the crisis is trending and how we must, you know, bend the curve uh, to assure hospitals aren't overloaded. He says the new case number that you'll see, and that's what we have at the Western Illinois site uh, after they've uh, upgraded their stuff, the new case number that you see means little because it mostly reflects the huge surge in testing that's now being done. Uh, and he says most new case victims aren't seriously sick and then get sent home or never even knew they had it in the first place. Uh, and then he tracks back to last week's ProPublica piece that includes Illinois along with uh, California and Washington as states that aren't being forthcoming about those numbers. Well, apparently, over the weekend, California and Washington figured out how to get this done. Good on them. Where's uh, Illinois, when it comes to this, Glennon points out that hospitals complete uh, a daily inventory of patients that include what they're in for, how many beds are available, and uh, uh, several other stats, including who is a COVID-19 patient or a person under investigation as a possible victim. Uh, Glennon has one request for the governor. Governor, he says, have these hospitals send that daily information to the state and total it up. It's a simple solution. And then he points back to last Friday when the governor said, hey, we're working on those numbers now. I mean, obviously, the governor said we, we talked to all the hospitals all across the state. We get data. But, you know, over history, that data has been collected in different ways across the state. And we want to make sure that it's all in one system. We've been piecing it together. Well, he went looking, and he found some data at, uh, as I mentioned, the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluations. And if you visit that, and I'll put the link up for this, uh, again, at the News Roundtable Facebook page and also at uh, my Twitter page, uh, at Quadius, uh, at Twitter, and uh, so that you can see the numbers that the University of Washington has put together per what they've uh, compiled from the Illinois hospitals. Uh, they point out that as of yesterday, the end of March, uh, Illinois, hospital bed-wise, is in, in good shape. Uh, beds needed, uh, they point to, being uh, just over 9,000 um, when we reach peak 
And they point to that as being middle of this month, because we're in April now, uh, pointing to that we've got basically 40% more hospital beds right now than we're ultimately going to need. We have 14,552 beds available in our hospitals here in the land of Lincoln. Uh, at peak, we would need 9,227 for COVID-19 patients. So they have a bed shortage number, and that number is, well, now zero. Now, when you get to ICU beds, there we seem to have a, a, a bit of an issue. Peak numbers, uh, again, projections at 1399 at peak, which would be in a couple of weeks. ICU beds available, uh, just over 1,100. So at peak, you would have a shortage of 250-plus uh, beds. Uh, Ventilator-wise, uh, apparently we're not as bad as uh, Governor Pritzker is, is stating, and I'm not sure where the 4,000 ventilators that he keeps uh, pointing to is coming from. I'm not sure who's giving him that number. This University of Washington study uh, projects that uh, uh, we'll need 1,119 more ventilators than we currently have, not 4,000. Is that a case of, hey, we need 4,000 and if you send us 2,000, we'll be covered. Is that a negotiating tactic? I'm not sure. Uh, the governor's not stating that that's what he's doing. Now, when you talk about uh, handling things at peak, you look at how other countries are doing this. And something that we've touched on before but haven't really dug into is spreading people out. Uh, if you've got some hospitals in some hotspot areas, and there are places that are breaking numbers down uh, by zip code, because perhaps even in, in Cook County, you're going to have places that are uh, feeling the effects of this more acutely than others. Can you move people from certain hospitals where there may not be an availability to a, an available bed someplace else? Or do you have to erect someplace special? Because that's happening now. Uh, two, France, as Glennon points out, is addressing their issue by spreading patients around, putting them on trains and places with more capacity when necessary. Uh, Glennon says what we need is hosp uh, how hospitalizations for the virus are trending. He says these University of Washington updates, uh, they update their data daily, but it doesn't show trends. Uh, what he's hoping for is that the state would be providing that, and he says it easily could be. So what's holding the state back from showing those numbers dealing with us on that particular level. Uh, he concludes by saying hospitalization numbers uh, aren't important for just measuring how much capacity we will potentially need. He says they're also essential for the difficult decision about when to end that stay-at-home order that has just been extended and, for the most part, has shut down the, a large section of our economy. He says these are facts that we'll need moving forward, and for whatever reason, they're facts that we either don't have or we're not going to share. Uh, these are interesting questions. Uh, will Governor Pritzker address them later this afternoon? Like I said, all right, I'll give you some, some grace time. You didn't figure it out over the weekend, but maybe you'll have it today. Will he be asked about this today? Stay tuned, Governor Pritzker. Uh, again, we'll address the states uh, later this afternoon. Now, while that's going on, D.C. is talking about the next round of stimulus. Let's just, negotiations are underway for that next round of stimulus. What would that include? 
Uh, would that just be for states or would that be for individuals or businesses or all of the above? And what would that include? And would there be conditions on this next round of stimulus? We'll talk with our representative, Darren LaHood, about that tomorrow on the News Roundtable. He'll join us at 1015. Uh, and that will be an interesting uh, conversation. So hopefully we'll have some interesting stuff and some hard numbers to talk about uh, moving forward as well. Again, we're all in this together. And I'll put the links up from the University of Washington COVID-19 uh, data source, uh, again, at the News Roundtable Facebook page and at my Twitter page, at Squadius. We'll be back in tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. You should be here, too. The News Roundtable will reconvene tomorrow morning at 10.06 a.m. on AM 930 WTAD. Podcast available online at WTAD.com.